Krishna is analyzing the different aspects of our personality. Personality can be predominant in Sattva, Rajas or Tamas. So that you can clearly see, again, the Sattva means, stands for clarity, purity, tranquility and then there is love for knowledge. Where there is Rajas, there is agitation, restlessness, greed, activity and there is love for pleasure. When there is tamas, there is love for nothing, then there is inactivity, dullness, darkness, false perception, that is the tamas. <coughs> and so, now Lord Krishna last described the buddhi, the intellect. So how is the intellect of a person who enjoys the sattvic disposition of mind? He knows what is the purpose of life. He recognizes that the purpose of life is moksha, is freedom, unconditional freedom or unconditional happiness. Also he recognizes that the freedom is to be discovered from oneself because there is nothing in the world that can give me that unconditional happiness or freedom that is seeking. And that is how the appreciation of the value for knowledge comes to him that I have to recognize the freedom to be my nature. And then he leaves the way of life which is then conducive to recognition of the freedom from oneself. If my conclusion is that the freedom of happiness lies outside then naturally my activities are going to be such as to procure it from outside. Then there will be a life of acquisition. On the other hand when I know I recognize that the happiness I am seeking is to be discovered from within then there is what we call a life of renunciation life of giving so removing the obstacles to what is already existing and then the mode of life is different that becomes a life of yoga <coughs> so he knows how to perform an activity of activity is become then becomes a means of getting rid of the impurity rather than acquiring something that I don't have karyam makaryam he recognizes that it is dharma, the righteousness, which leads me to the purity of mind. And akaryam, adharma, non-righteousness, is something that is opposed to my own purpose. And thus, there is a clarity about what is that is seeking and what is the means of attainment of that. On the other hand, rajas, so sattva can be compared to, as we said, 
a pool of water which is free from any impurities and free from any surface agitation is the transparent pool of water where you can clearly see what is the bottom. But now imagine the surface of the water is disturbed then you cannot see a reflection clearly in there and similarly also the mind or the intellect which is an influence of rajas is agitated. There is restlessness therefore there is no clarity of perception. And so he concludes that the happiness that he is seeking is to be found out there and therefore he, he does not understand what is dharma, what is right for him, what is not right for him. <coughs> and so that mind in which one cannot clearly understand what is dharma, what is dharma, what is right, what is wrong, what is to be done, what is not to be done, that clarity is not there, that buddhi is the rajasi, the buddhi born of rajas. And where, tamas, where one takes the things to be contrary to what they are, what is dharma or righteousness is taken to be adharma, unrighteousness. What is adharma is taken to be dharma. That kind of completely contrary distorted perception where there is, there is the buddhi born of tamas. Sattvic, rajas, tamas. Then dhruti, Lord Krishna said here, you know, I am going to explain to you the threefold differentiation of intellect and I am going to explain to you the threefold differentiation of dhruti. Dhruti means resolve, resolution or firmness, holding on to something. And so, a person is sattvic, rajas, every person holds on to something. A sattvic person will hold on to something, a rajas person also will hold on to something, a tamas person also will hold on to something. What is that the hold on to? That is called dhruti. Or oh, what do I find myself holding on to? I mean, after all this analysis is of my own personality and therefore, what is it I find myself holding on to? That is what will determine how my mind is. And therefore in the verse 33, Lord Krishna describes what we call the sattviki dhruti, the dhruti or the fortitude or the firmness or the resolution that is born of sattva. Dhritya yaya dharayate, Dhritya yaya dharayate, Manaf prana indriyakriya, Manaf prana indriyakriya, Yogena vyavicharinya, Yogena vyavicharinya, Dhritisa partha sattviki, Dhritisa partha sattviki. So, with the intellect, having understood what the process of my life is going to be, that now my life is going to be a process of yoga and not bhoga, which is a life that is based on discipline. So when there is a recognition that moksha, the freedom that I am seeking is to be discovered from myself, then naturally that can be attained when my mind becomes introvert, when mind becomes abiding into self. If what I have to know in my life is the self, then naturally I must have a mind that is centered on the self. And to make that mind centered upon the self is going to require a tremendous amount of effort. It's going to require dhruti, a firmness or a resolve. So having discovered that, the various desires which arise in my mind, desires for things that I don't have, and so desires for seeking happiness from outside of myself, is not something that is going to get me what I am seeking. So every time the mind seeks, wants to be extrovert, every time the mind wants something that it doesn't have, every time mind is seeking happiness from outside, security from outside, freedom from outside, because that's a habit. See what happens is that when we get exposed to the teaching then we understand that as Vedanta explains to us, Tattvamasi, that thou art, you are what you are seeking to be. And thus that freedom, happiness, wholeness that you are seeking to be is what you are. And therefore may your life become a process of discovering what you are rather than seeking something, seeking that freedom where it is not. So this Viveka brings about what we call Vairagya. Vairagya means a dispassion. 
a freedom from desire, freedom of attachment and aversion because of understanding that what am I desiring? As we said, there are two kinds of desires. One is a set of desires that are born on my basic needs like for fulfilling hunger and thirst and protection from heat and cold and rain and, and things of that sort. So they are one kind of desires which we may call like legitimate desires. And of course, I must perform an action to fulfill those desires that are based on my body. But there are other desires, for example, desire for happiness or desire for security. Now that is a desire that is centered upon the self and therefore the solution of that desire has to come from myself. And so if I am suffering from sadness or unhappiness or whatever or sorrow, it's a spiritual problem and not a material problem. Therefore, there has to be a spiritual solution to that. I have to discover the fact that sorrow is not the reality about myself. In fact, the wholeness is the reality of myself. And so, it constantly requires us to work with our mind whenever by old habit the mind comes up with a need, a desire, because there is habit. So far I always thought that the happiness lies outside and therefore the mind is always in chasing the objects of pleasure. Even when my understanding changes now that happiness should be discovered from myself, still, but the old habit, the mind keeps on chasing things outside. Then I require dhruti, I require a firmness to tell my mind, look mind, what you are seeking is not what you can find from there. If you are hungry, food is there that can appease your hunger. Feeling cold, well you can acquire a blanket which will protect you from cold. But if you are unhappy, don't think that anything can provide you happiness. If you are insecure, don't think anything can provide you security. And remember that you discover from yourself. And thus turning the mind from its extrovert tendency to making it introvert. This is a process that requires dhruti, that requires a firmness, a resolution. So Lord Krishna says that firmness of the mind, that resolve or resolution of the mind by which manah pranendriya kriyaha, the activities of the mind, prana, sense organs, because all of them are so far extrovert and I have to slowly turn them to become introvert. And so mind, sense organs, prana, all of these so, the firmness is resolved by which one controls or restrains activities. Here Shankaraja also says, that is called sattviki dhruti, or that is called the sattvic resolve, resolve, firmness, by which one prevents one's mind from turning towards something that is undesirable or un, you know. So, scriptures tell us something. And there are certain things that are prohibited. And sometimes the mind has a natural tendency to do something that is in fact damaging me. Mind may have a tendency to follow ways which are unbecoming of me, follow adharma. So, uchhastramaya pravuttahi. There is sometimes an inclination towards doing things that are prohibited. The mind may have those tendency to do something, inclination. Maybe that's what I have been doing, you know, and therefore the mind continues to want to do that. And therefore, a resolve where one restrains the mind from going into the paths or going into the channels which are harmful or which are prohibited. <coughs> there may be a tendency to tell a lie, tendency to steal, I don't know, tendency to do a variety of things, tendency to indulge. And it is always required to prevent the mind, prevent the sense organs, prevent my pranas from doing that. Manah pranendriya kriya. In course of time, ultimately one starts getting that kind of a mastery over one's mind. A mastery over one's breath, a mastery over the sense organs, so that one completely restrains them until they become completely dissolved and one attains what we call a state of absorption, a state of total concentration, which they even call samadhi or state of absorption. So one is able to make one's mind free from all these external extrovert tendencies and bring about a complete resolution of the mind. And so the ability that I have 
to address every agitation of the mind, every extrovert tendency of the mind, to run away or get distracted, the ability to restrain all these distracting tendencies and be able to concentrate the mind upon the self. <coughs> so in order, in, in order that my mind gets resolved into myself, it must completely become free from all its extrovertedness. So that ability is called dhrutihi, sattviki dhrutihi. <coughs> In short, we require this also. It is not enough that I have a buddhi or intellect with which I have the right understanding, but also require a firm resolve in order to restrain. This morning we were saying, for example, you know, and we'll have a chance to discuss that also later on, but there are habitual tendencies to indulge, let us say. And so this morning we had some, what do you call it, the radai, whatever it was, you know, in the, in the lens. And I love that. And so, except that it is made of all kinds of dals, which are extremely difficult to digest. And if you have much, you know, more than a certain piece, then it, it will tell in your stomach. But while eating, you know, you forget that. Because it is so tasty. With all its sambar, chutney, whatever they make it, you know, and therefore you help yourself. I start with one-fourth piece, then I say another one-fourth piece, and then give you you know. At that time a corner of my mind knows, Swamiji, what you are doing is not right, you know, is going to bother you later on. But still, since my mind, mouth is salivating, therefore, I mean, I, I, just, I just cannot control myself. And later on, I have to pay the price of it. So the ability to restrain, when I know that what my mind wants is something that is not, that is not going to be uh, pleasant in consequences, the ability to restrain. <coughs> so this also we require. This is what called Dhamma. This is also called the, the ability to self-control or discipline oneself. Discipline not for the sake of disciplining. Discipline when I realize that it is something that is helpful to me, something that is necessary. We don't say there should be deprivation, there should not be a suppression of the mind itself. That's not the point. Disciplining is one thing, suppression is a different thing. Suppression is something that is done out of helplessness or because, you know, I just have no way of fulfilling my desire, therefore I just keep it to myself. Disciplining is where I have the possibility of freedom to fulfill the desire and I choose not to. So do something. I have the freedom to do something, I choose not to do it. That is called the freedom, that is called disciplining. And so that fortitude, that firmness or that is all with which I can thus discipline my mind where necessary, discipline my sense organs where necessary, discipline my prana where it is necessary and thus make my whole personality completely integrated. All this requires of course a lot of learning. It is not merely a practice. We understand that there is an exposure to this teaching and therefore there is a value for this. A value for having a mind which is centered upon myself. Knowing fully well that that is where the mind will discover the, its own peace or, or its, its own happiness. And that's how I train my mind, I train my sense organs, I train my personality to slowly and slowly become introvert, slowly and slowly become centered upon the self so that it keeps on discovering that peace which is within the self. As it discovers, then the effort, required effort becomes less and less. See, what happens is that we have to make our mind become familiar with that peace which is there. And until we do that, it is not going to discover it. And that requires a resolve, that requires a firmness. Anyway, so this dhruti or the firmness with which one is able So this dhruti or ability is called sattviki dhrutihi. This is a resolution born of sattva. <coughs> and when, as we said, when sattva is there, there is a love for knowledge. And there is also the mind enjoys a certain peace and tranquility. And therefore, this becomes possible. But if it is not there, then we do it with effort so that in course of time the mind becomes sattvic. 
This is not to be told to the person who already has sattvic mind. This is told to the person who needs to make it sattvic. And therefore, I, I use my resolve or my resolution to slowly and slowly make my mind sattvic. <coughs> what is the dhruti, the tendency, the resolve that person with rajo rajas has? That the, that is said in the next verse, verse 34. Yaya tu dharma kamarthan, yaya tu dharma kamarthan, dhritya dharayate arjuna, dhritya dharayate arjuna, prasange na phalakangshi, prasange na phalakangshi, dhritisa partha rajasi, dhritisa partha rajasi. However, that resolve, that dhruti, that holding on to, that resolve, that firmness that I have, by which dharma kam arthan dharayate, by which one holds on to dharma, artha, kama, not moksha. So when the mind is sattvic, it wants to hold on to moksha. Moksha means liberation. Moksha means then liberation by knowledge. And so, when the mind is sattvic, it wants to hold on to moksha. That's all it wants. In fact, this Viveka or discrimination has arisen that what is most important for me to is to be, gain liberation. But when the mind is influenced by just that Viveka discrimination has not arisen, then that mind has a value for pleasure. So, Artha and Kama. Alpha can be defined basically as wealth and prosperity, name, fame, power, security. This is called Alpha. Security and ego gratification. So Alpha means a person wants secure and ego gratification and security. And Kama means the gratification of the senses. So Alpha and Kama. So these are the natural instincts that everybody has. I mean, you know, gratification level of senses through various objects of pleasure and gratification of ego through power and recognition and name and fame. This is what a person wants. Well, if the person is a righteous person, then he will want these things through the path of dharma or righteousness. As you know, we can perform an action with a desire, with a purpose to fulfill our desires. So, here is a person who performs his actions to fulfill his various desires. Various desires of wealth, of pleasure, of name, of fame, or recognition. As we said, for getting these objects of pleasure, so for gratification of senses, or for gratification of ego. So, dharma, dharma is the righteous way of acquiring this earth and karma. <coughs> or dharma can also be said to be swarga of the heavens. This is what this person wants. He has value for getting pleasure in the heavens. He knows that he is not going to be around on this earth for all the time. He knows that his lifespan is limited and therefore someday he will have to depart from this place. Therefore, he must make provision for also a lasting happiness hereafter. And therefore, even while he is in this body, on this earth, he performs such actions that will that will create for him what we call punya or the virtue, which will qualify him to get the pleasures of happiness in heaven. This is a matter of belief. Swarga or heavens is a matter of belief. But anyway, this Vedic culture believes that because as we said, we believe in the next birth. That the life does not come to an end merely by the, by the end of this body, but the life continues. If it continues then, I rather would want to be born in a place where there are pleasures, there is happiness, a swarga. So word dharma is interpreted two ways. Word dharma is interpreted as swarga, meaning the happiness hereafter, and artha and kama are the happiness here. And so between these three, happiness here and hereafter. Or dharma can also be interpreted as a righteous way of living. And so he does, he is a person who follows the righteous way of living, but for what? Only for pleasure and security and comfort. 
because he does not have viveka he does not have the discrimination that what is seeking is to be found from himself his conclusion is that what is seeking the happiness is to be found from the objects and therefore he pursues that so yayatu dharma ka yayadhrutya he arjuna dharma kamarthan dharayate that which one holds on to this dharma artha and kama prasangena phalakankshi prasanga means also a certain amount of ego that whenever he performs an action there is an ego also of an assertion of his own self that i am doing this phalakankshi <coughs> when he performs action also performs action with akanksha with an expectation of phala or reward that means the person who has this rajas bent of mind does not do anything unless there is going to be reward before doing anything he will ask this question what am i going to get from it what is in it for me i don't know whether you heard the story from me earlier but then this is an interesting story something that happened anyway you know so there in i'm talking about this is in india in in this city there is an office of the accountant general you know this is a central government office accountant general huge office number of people working and they are very important people because you must go to their office to pass all your bills so suppose you are a contractor you are a businessman you are then you supply something to the government agencies then you must go to this office to get approval of of your bills then alone the payment can be made so you must go to the office and make sure that the officers the accountants they uh, sign your bills okay so this is very important job so a lot of people come to meet you if you are if you are an accountant if you are if you hold a certain office important place in this office so once upon a time it is said that uh, the management top management decided let us give a name play to all this all the people a name play where is name will the name will be written it's a triangular plate you know a triangular wooden block let us say on one side of the block they'll write his name in english on the other side of the block they'll write the name in gujarati that's a regional language because a person who comes to meet you may not even know english language therefore then you turn the other side then so that he knows who he is talking to then there is third side of course that just that only faces the the desk so somebody from this accountant general office had a bright idea without informing the management these people went to the painter who was painting these names and they made an arrangement with him that something was written on the on the third side also which was facing the desk you know which nobody sees so when somebody like you and i go to this person with you know with approving approving of your bill and so forth you know then at some critical time the third side is displayed you know towards you and there it is written what is in it for me that's my <laughs> there's a third side displayed you know and so that this person knows you know that now the negotiations are come to a critical point and something needs to be done here you know but this is how everybody does whenever i i want to perform an action my mind always asks this question what is in it for me this is rajas satvik person doesn't ask this question the person having the satvik bent of mind his mind asks this question what can i do how can i what offering can i make how can i serve how can i help this is how what his mind asks but this person minds the person's mind asks him what is in it for me so whatever he perform whatever action he performs always performs for a personal gain <clears throat> this is a dhruti and he will make sure that happens he will hold on to that and therefore he will perform action in such a manner that whatever personal gain he wants will be acquired <clears throat> prasangena phalakankshi 
ग्रेटिफिकेशन These are the natural desires that arise, and unless we analyze the desires, naturally we will follow them also, thinking that these are the genuine desires. <coughs> so this is the person with a righteous bent of mind. And then we come to the something that is everybody holds on to something. This fellow holds on to dharma as a karma. That fellow holds on to moksha, sattvic person. The rajas person, rajas person holds on to earth karma. The tamas, tamas person holds on to what? That's what Lord Krishna describes in the verse thirty-five. Yaya swapnam bhayam shokam, yaya swapnam bhayam shokam, vishadam madamevacha, vishadam madamevacha, navi munchati durme dhaha. दिस पर्सन विथ तमस प्रिडामिनेंट इन इज माइंड वॉट डज यू होल्ड ऑन टू स्वप्नम स्लीप भयम स्लीप Swamiji used to say, you know, "Swapna is a word in Sanskrit which has two meanings. Swapna means sleep as well as dream. So, from root swap, you know, which means sleeping or dreaming. So this fellow doesn't give up his sleep or doesn't give up his dreaming. You know, that means that even during the day also, when he's not sleeping, he keeps on imagining things in his mind, and that's what he holds on to, meaning that he's not in the real world. Bhayam." Not of fear. He holds on to the fear. Means he justifies things. When we say that, that he holds on to meaning he justifies why he should sleep. He justifies why he should have fear. So when this mind is this tamas in predominant, then there is fear, and he finds all reasons for fear also. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if it does not happen? And slightest, you know. thing happens there is a fear somebody is not returned home in time 10 minutes late fear comes home too early fear you know i get promotion fear don't get promotion there is a fear fear all the time oh promotion means more responsibility what shall i do i did not my promotion oh you know it is so bad and so success also fear failure also fear desirable anything favorable also fear unfavorable fear so fear predominates his mind doesn't give up the fear you always find some reason to hold on to fear this is dhruti means holding on to shokam sorrow he holds on to sorrow he is always reason to feel sorrowful vishadam sadness or depression and sorrow is justified you know look at the world you know how people are how do they treat me what is what they do and things like that you always find disappointment and there are always reason to feel sorrowful holds on to sorrow you can't make a person happy regardless of what you do then also they will always find some reason as to what you did not do regardless of what all you do you feel you know you do 99 things one thing you did not do that's enough to make you know, 99 things don't please the person but one thing that you did not do will displease him this is the nature so shokam sorrow vishadam grief and so because of very low self esteem also and that is why all these things are there fear is there and sorrow is there even depression is there and that so what do you do you sleep that's all because one wants to avoid oneself this kind of mind also is very difficult thing to deal with and therefore you want to avoid yourself and therefore sleep or do something else equivalent to sleep you know in short you stone your mind somehow you make make your mind incapable of thinking so that you don't have to face this and that season now people go for other things also 
At the same time, another thing that we find also is some kind of a false pride in this person. Person, even though internally person feels very low about oneself, but outwardly that person always claims, you know, there is nobody like him, you know. Look at this fellow, what is he? Look at that fellow. You are Swamiji, I know him. This person, I know him. That person, I know him. He knows everybody and ever. He thinks everybody is, I know everybody. There is a need, I guess, on his part to feel that he is great or he is something. Internally he doesn't feel that. But externally always proclaims that he is something. This is mother. Mother means this pride or arrogance. Anyway, so what this person does not give up. Understand that this is not, we are not describing somebody else. This is a description of our own self. Because when we talk of this, then immediately some picture comes in our mind. Swami is talking about this person, you know. And then I think that is right, Swamiji. That fellow is a Rajas, this Dhruti. This fellow is Tamasi and things like that, you know. But it is not for branding somebody, as we said. If you brand somebody, then we have to look at ourselves because when I find somebody as Tamas and I gain some kind of a satisfaction because somebody is like that, then I have to look at my own mind also, you know. Because you get a certain vicarious satisfaction. This fellow is like that and that fellow is like that. A mind that is seeking vicarious satisfaction because somebody is bad or somebody is unhappy or somebody is whatever, incompetent. And so, if you seek satisfaction from that, I guess our own mind also needs to be looked at as to how come? How come I am happy because somebody is unhappy? How come I feel good because somebody feels bad? You know? So anyway, as we said, this is not meant for branding other people. This is meant for looking at our own mind because each one of us has all these three sattva, rajas and tamas. And there are times when we feel tamas. We feel there is depression or sadness. You just don't feel like doing anything. You just sleep and don't know, get up and whatever. This does happen to us. Then what do we do? As we said, tamas must be vibrafid rajas. Get up. Swami says, just run one mind, do something, you know, and whip up your personality so that you can come and do something. Whenever tamas takes over me, the way to get over with tamas is just do something. Make the mind do something. Even do something for the sake of pleasure, do something for the sake of some benefit, do something that is prompted by your desire, doesn't matter. But doing something, that is how we whip up our mind from tamas. And the mind is, is full of energy, love, rajas is there, then we calm down. Okay, mind, calm down. You're enough now. Start giving, start being generous, be compassionate, or forgive them, doesn't matter, you know. And that's how, when the mind is full of rajas, we will try to make it satvic. So, so that we recognize that our, the, the states of mind, therefore, these various aspects of the personality are very beautifully given here by Lord Krishna. In, so Lord Krishna described what's the nature of knowledge, jnanam, what's the nature of karma, action, what's the nature of karta, the agent of action, what's the nature of buddhi, the intellect, what's the nature of dhruti, the resolve or the firmness. All of these are involved in what we call performance of karma, performance of our activities and therefore our activities will be influenced depending upon how these things are. <coughs> And now Lord Krishna talks about the result of the activity. That's called the sukham or the happiness. So that is also that is also categorized in this we divided three categories. So in the next verse, Lord Krishna says, <coughs> Sukham Tvidanim Trividham, Sukham Tvidanim Trividham, Shrunome Bharatarshabha. Shruname Bharatarshabha Abhyasadramate Yatra Abhyasadramate Yatra Dukhantam Chanigachati Dukhantam Chanigachati Sukham to Idanim Trividam Shruname Bharatarshabha He Bharatarshabha, He Arjuna So, most exalted among the among the descendants of Bharata. Shrunam, listen to me. Again, pay attention. 
Trividam Sukham Tuvidam Now that I have described what we call the various accessories required for performance of action. Now listen to me, the threefold happiness that arises as a result. <coughs> so happiness also is, is categorized in these three categories. Depending on the source of happiness, you know. So depending on the source from where the happiness comes, Lord Krishna describes the happiness also in three categories. The source of happiness as well as, as, long, as, well as how long they last. So source of happiness as well as also the, the duration of happiness. From that, with reference to that, Lord Krishna describes the threefold happiness. Naturally, Sattvic, Rajas and Tamas. Sattvikam Sukham, Rajam Sukham, Tamasam Sukham. <coughs> In the second line of the verse 36, Lord Krishna gives a general definition or general characteristics of happiness. Abhyasa dramatayatra dukkhantam chanigachadi. That in which one discovers the joy by repetition, by habit and gains and or cessation of the sorrow. <coughs> so that is called happiness which one gains as a result of habit. And so sometimes our children do not like certain food. Like this Swami's own story of that Karala or bitter God, you know. Abhyas. When you repeat something, as Swami used to tell the story, he did not like this bitter gold because it is bitter. And in New Delhi, Swamiji was giving some discourses for a number of days. And the first day, Swamiji was invited for bhiksha. And a lady had cooked many things among them. She had also cooked bitter gold because that was a season of bitter gold. And all this was, Swamiji was served with various dishes. Swami saw bitter gold, now Swami cannot say, take it away, I don't like it, you know. <laughs> Nor should Swami leave anything in his plate. So Swami is then, uh, his motto is, treat the unpleasant first, you know, deal with unpleasant first, so that you can enjoy the pleasant let pleasant later on. Like, have the dessert at the end, that's what they say. Here also dessert comes at the end. In one of the children, in camps, you know, children, so when they, they started eat, some of them started eating the cake first, you know. I said, no, 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 that's not to be eaten first. That should come at the end. So what's deal the pleasant for the end and deal with the unpleasant first. So he thought, all right, the bitter gore is there, let me deal with that first. And therefore, he finished that bitter gore. Naturally, the hostess, you know, the lady was watching and she said, oh, Swamiji has really liked this bitter gore. And therefore, another happy. Before you ask, another happy. Now, again, poor Swami could not say, you know, that I do not like it, don't give me. You don't want to displease anybody. You want to make them happy. You want to make them feel also that what they have done is good. And therefore, again, let me deal with unpleasant first. And therefore, he finished the bitter god. And the lady was convinced that Swami loves bitter god. And therefore, before Swami could realize three or four helpings of bitter god, and it doesn't stop that. Because next day, Viksha, Swamiji, go morning and evening. So then the other host also asked the previous one, what does Swamiji like? <laughs> and therefore, this one says, Swamiji loves bitter gold. That's it. And therefore, the next day also bitter gold. Morning bitter gold, lunch. Dinner also bitter gold, lunch and dinner. For ten days, Swamiji found bitter gold wherever he went. He says there is one thing that happened as well, that he started liking bitter gold. Abhyasa. <laughs> it looks like when you practice something again and again and again, then you develop a certain amount of skill, a certain amount of liking for that. And that is how you find certain things make us happy. Because we have done it for a repeated num I mean, number of times. I guess you start jumping up and down every day for a number of times and you will start enjoying that also. People start jogging, you know, in the beginning it may be strenuous, but then in course of time, you start People do sit-ups and push-ups and all kinds of things, you know, which is strenuous. But then a time comes when he cannot do without that. He has to do his push-up. He must do his sit-up. He feels happy. And so, it's called abhyasa. 
by practice or by repetition or by you know or by habit that you develop the the joy the rasa the joy that is there in everything apparently everything in the world has a capability of giving me happiness everything say mahatma gandhi he once experimented he says after all then i like certain thing is it because of uh, is it something that is special about the thing or is something about me so let us try and therefore is you know neem tree neem neem leaves are bitter he said let us see whether we can like that or not and then he started eating neem so in chapati in in the two in between the two layers of chapati put a couple of neem leaves and he would eat that he said in about one month he started liking that also neem leaves the bitter leaves also he started liking so abhyasa dramate yatra because of abhyasa because of habit one discovers a certain amount of pleasure in that dukhantam chanigachati and then finds the what is called happiness where there is cessation of sorrow and so where there is also a, a certain amount of joy at the same time cessation of sorrow this is called happiness so lord krishna gives an interesting definition of what is called sukham or what is called happiness that the joy that one has discovered on account of doing something repeatedly and that joy which brings about an end or cessation of the sorrow this is called joy or happiness <coughs> although some commentators <coughs> join the second line of this verse with the next verse so let us read the next verse also <coughs> यत्तदग्रे विषमिव यत्तदग्रे विषमिव परिणामे मृतोपमम परिणामे मृतोपमम तत्सुखं सात्विकं प्रोक्तं तत्सुखं सात्विकं प्रोक्तं आत्मबुद्धि प्रसादजम आत्मबुद्धि प्रसादजम यत्तदग्रे Vishamiva, that which to begin with is like visham, is like poison, that is bitter or unpleasant. Parinami amrutopamam, which at the end turns out to be amruta like nectar. Tat sukham satvikam proktam, Lord Krishna says that sukham or the happiness is called satvika, born of sattva. Where do you get it? Atma buddhi prasadayam. born of the purity of one's own mind or born of the knowledge of the self atma buddhi prasadajam that's the last expression atma buddhi prasadajam atma means the self buddhi means the knowledge or intellect prasadam means the grace or the or the clarity or the placidity so one meaning of that expression is the happiness that is born on account of the clarity or purity of the mind or another meaning of the expression is the happiness that is born on account of the knowledge of the self atma buddhi atma can be the self atma buddhi one's own buddhi one's own mind prasada prasada means placidity or clarity or purity so the happiness that is born on account of purity of one's own mind or atma buddhi prasadam atma means the self buddhi means knowledge self knowledge prasadajam on account of the clarity of the self knowledge the happiness that comes is called satvikam sukham the sukha or the happiness born of sattva but lord krishna says this happiness agre vishamiva in the beginning it is bitter it is like poison parinami amrutopamam but which at the end turns out to be like ambrosia Amurta means one minute the word amurta is ambrosia, which is supposedly there in the heavens. We imagine that it's there in the heavens in ambrosia. That's why these gods or denizens of the heavens, because they partake of ambrosia, therefore they become immortal and they are ever happy. In short, Lord Krishna says that satvikam sukham or the happiness born of sattva is that which gives you permanent happiness, which gives you eternal happiness. however which in the beginning is very bitter is like poison 
but which at the end results into eternal happiness, which is moksha. <coughs> but why is it bitter in the beginning? Why is it uh, po like poison? Very unpleasant. Because as we just said, it requires a lot of restraint. We must have viveka, vairagya, samadhi, shatka, sampatti. Sama means that we have to make our mind tranquil, free from this impulsive of raga and dvesha, attachment and aversion. That requires a lot of work. If I let my mind just follow its raga, dvesha, attachment and aversion, looks like it is very easy. But if now I have decided that no, what I am seeking is self-knowledge. And for self-knowledge what I need is the purity of my mind. What is meant by purity of mind is that my mind should become free from rajas and tamas. Rajas results in raga, that means the attachment for happiness, and tamas means dvesha, an aversion for unhappiness. So attachment and aversion, raga dvesha are representative of rajas and tamas. That when I get my mind rid of this rajas and tamas, then alone the mind can become pure. This becomes a big project. Because ragadveshas are naturally there in the mind. And therefore the mind, if I don't do anything with the mind, mind will have a natural tendency for attachment and aversion. It will run towards things that it likes, it will hate things that it doesn't like. This is natural. And I must completely turn around this habit of the mind. And every time raga or dvesha, attachment or aversion arises, karma or krodha arises, Jealousy arises, hatred arises, aversion arises. Anytime any of these tendencies arise in my mind, I address my mind and I have to resolve them. I do not come under its sway. Number one, that I must retain my objectivity, my freedom. I must be able to create a distance with these impulses in my mind and I must also resolve them. The way to do it is, it is just like this, you know. That if there is, if my, you know, if my shirt or this angavastra upper cloth is white, orange is, there is an advantage because you don't see the dirt much, you know. But if it is white, every stain would be visible. And when we are growing up, we were told, if you are drinking tea, let us say tea, a drop falls on your shirt, get up right away and wipe it, clean it. If you leave it there for the, to be washed next day, it will become difficult to wash. And if you don't wash it for a few days, it will not go. The idea is that as there is a stain, immediately it must be removed. Similarly also, as this kind of stains arise in our mind, like jealousy arose, immediately wipe it out, immediately remove it. Anger arose, immediately deal with it. Some kind of an aversion arose, deal with it. Some resentment came, deal with it right away. If if this as this then this happens in our day-to-day -day activity when we interact with the people, this will happen. Somebody said something out angry. Somebody got away with something I felt jealous. Somebody just doesn't behave properly, I have resentment. And therefore, since I am my own opinion about everybody, and since I have my own prescription for for what everybody should be. When the world fails to I mean, live up to my prescription or my expectation, then I react. I react with anger, I react with resentment, and these reactions arise. And as these reactions arise, I must be alert to diffuse them. By what we call Pratyapaksha Bhavana, by deliberately adopting a position which is the opposite to the position by which this impulse arose. And therefore, because of my intolerance, anger arises in my mind. I ask my mind, all right mind, be tolerant. Give them the freedom. Let them be what they are. Somebody insulted me. Immediately there is a retaliation. I tell my mind, wait a minute, don't retaliate. Bless him, let him be happy. And thus, these negative tendencies and impulses arise in my mind. I diffuse and neutralize them by what we call the opposite tendencies by the positive tendencies. This is a tremendous amount of work and a Vedantic student is always doing this. Outwardly he may not appear to be doing something, but inwardly it is always going on. 
always watching the mind, watching the raga and dveshas, watching the various desires, various other tendencies and a constant attempt to restrain the, or subdue those tendencies. Like that little demon that is subdued under the leg, you know, foot of Dakshinamurti and so also this demon which creates agitations in my mind, which distracts my mind, there is a constant attempt to subdue that. Now this involves a lot of effort. And so Lord Krishna says that it requires a lot of discipline also. It requires sometimes even what we call dhamma or restraining. I tell my hands, you are not going to do that. It just wants to give back. Stop it. Tell my legs, you are not going to go there. My eyes, you are not going to look at that. My ears, you are not going to hear that. My tongue, you are not going to taste this. My mouth, you are not going to eat further. If as I said I have value for this, then I also have to exercise that kind of a discipline or self-control. All of this is painful. Even following values of life also is painful. Always to be truthful is not convenient, you know. To be truthful is not convenient. It's sometimes very easy to tell a little lie and that then you can avoid a lot of, uh, sometimes a lot of uh, discomfort, lot of embarrassment, you know. And so, we want to avoid embarrassment, we want to avoid humiliation, we want to avoid loss, we want to avoid displeasure. And therefore, very often, we bend the values a little bit. What does it matter? And therefore, to follow the values also requires me to live up to embarrassments and live up to all kinds of things and then that is also painful. And therefore, living a life of values Living a life of karma yoga, that means that trying to perform actions without expectation of reward is very difficult. Because my mind is reward seeking and every time I must subdue that reward seeking tendency of the mind and make it do something for the sake of doing something that is good. And therefore this process of what we call making my mind focus upon itself constantly requires to recognize its extrovert tendencies and to work and subdue them. This is a lot of work. Before I can discover any peace within myself, all this has to be done. In fact, a time comes in life of most of the aspirants. That there is, they are neither here nor there. People listen to Vedanta classes, Bhagavad Gita classes. And every day keep on listening that there is nothing in this world and the objects of the world don't give you pleasure. It's all false pleasure, it's just an appearance, you know. They only create an appearance of pleasure, there is no real happiness there. You know, you keep on saying this and, 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 and apply, give the reason also to establish that. And so the students listen to that and they're convinced that is so. So Swamiji, now I no more go to movies and I don't go to parties and I don't now wear fancy clothes, I don't do those things. Which means that the pleasure that was coming, even temporary pleasure that was coming from all those things has been discarded because it is supposed, not supposed to be there. And any pleasure from ancestral, I cannot sit and meditate because my mind is not yet steady enough and therefore five or ten minutes I have to get up from my meditation therefore I cannot also enjoy the peace that is within myself and I cannot enjoy like one of my students told me Swamiji every time I now watch TV I remember Swamiji you know and what Swamiji has said <laughs> every time I do something I remember Swamiji he feels guilty not that I ask people not to watch TV but he interprets people interpret what you say in the way they want to interpret anyway but anyway and therefore you feel guilty, you know that this is not to be done. So this is, one has to pass through this phase before the mind discovers a certain amount of quietude or tranquility and discovers a certain amount of inner peace and tranquility and then you can get that inner joy, inner pleasure. Then there is no problem. But until then, this difficult work must be done. Therefore Lord Krishna says, that before one can discover the joy that is within one's own self, that comes because of the clarity of the mind, it is necessary to make the mind change all its tendencies, extrovert tendencies, and make the mind focused upon oneself, make it introvert. 
Introvert doesn't mean the person who remains within, by introvert we mean the mind that abides in itself. That requires a lot of work, lot of also pain. Therefore Lord Krishna says, Yattadagre Vishameva, so that Sattvikam Sukham, the happiness born of Sattva, which in the beginning is, involves a lot of strain and lot of pain, therefore it is compared to Visham or poison, but which ultimately turns into ambrosia. That is called Sattvikam Sukham, Sukha or happiness born of Sattva. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvaro Guratmevi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha